Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Alex Boiseau and I'm an analyst within Analysis Mason's telco team. Today, we will be discussing our latest forecasts for the pay TV and OTT video markets, judging the ongoing impact of COVID-19 on growth prospects. With me today is Martin Scott, principal analyst who runs our video, gaming and entertainment research program and who was the lead author for the reports. The full written version of the associated article is available to access and download from the Analysis Mason website. So, Martin, when looking at the latest forecasts, one thing that's clear is that the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the worldwide decline of operators' pay TV revenue and their share of OTT video revenue. And at the same time, OTT video will generate more retail revenue worldwide than traditional pay TV services by 2024. So I guess my first question would be, is it all doom and gloom? <laughs> um, hi, Alex. Well, firstly, thank you for hosting this session. As you mentioned, we've released some new forecasts. So our main focus for this podcast will be to talk about those. Uh, there are two key reports here. The first is called Pay TV Services Worldwide Trends and Forecasts 2020-2025. And the second one is called OTT Video Worldwide Trends and Forecasts 2020-2025. But I think we can also talk more widely than just about the findings from those reports. So to answer your question, no, it's not all doom and gloom. In fact, in some respects, traditional pay TV did better in 2020 than one might expect. The total number of traditional pay TV subscribers in 2020 was actually quite stable. It grew by 5 million connections year on year to uh, be pretty much in the noise at 1.2 billion. Revenue obviously was a little worse affected, mainly due to the disruption to sports events in Q2. And that meant that the average spend per user fell by about three and a half percentage points year on year. But operators own OTT services are still gaining users. Uh, subscriber growth was 6% for the year, which is admittedly a lot less than we would have seen without the pandemic. Okay, so that's the impact so far. Um, what about the future prospects for the business? Well, certainly large parts of the world now face a period of economic recession and constrained consumer spending. If anything, the pandemic accelerated already existing trends in viewing habits, namely the increase in on-demand viewership and the increased use of OTT video services. And it really helped Disney Plus hit the ground running. Mm, exactly. And um, actually, on the subject of Disney Plus, it's interesting to now be able to kind of look back with the benefit of hindsight and note that it enjoyed really impressive take up in a very short period of time. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that it defied expectations. So do you think there's any broader lessons to draw from its success for other players? Oh, yeah, of course, it's a, it's a success. Um, the take-up of Disney Plus around the world has made US content rights holders in particular, I think, more positive about their own direct-to-consumer launches in international markets. HBO increased its hopes for HBO Max. NBC Universal now expects 50 million Peacock users by 2024, and it was a lot more conservative before, though not all US players that attempt to launch internationally will obviously be as successful as Disney+. Plus. I think it's likely that these players will now be hopeful of greater success in Asia, though. Also, I think rights holders have seen how important operator partnerships were in allowing Disney Plus to gain scale, and that potentially helps operators in future. Hmm, interesting. So it, it sounds like 
some of these shifts might actually deliver opportunities for operators then as well as challenges. Um, one thing I'm curious about in the context of all of this is whether the growth in OTT users we've seen in the last year will actually keep up the pace. I mean, do you have any sense of how large the OTT segment might get looking a bit further into the future? Well, it's likely that the rate of cord cutting will increase from this year, from 2021 and beyond. The pandemic boosted the number of OTT video users and their average spend in 2020. And even though we've seen Netflix's net addition slow after the first wave of the pandemic, we do think that that boost doesn't go backwards at any point. The analysis of our Connected Consumer Survey, which we conducted in Q3 of last year, makes it clear that consumers are even more prepared to stack services than they were before the pandemic. And that will lead to further growth in the average spend per user. Now, OTT video and traditional pay TV services are consumed side by side in most parts of the world. However, that continued growth in popularity for OTT services will eventually start to come at the expense of traditional pay TV services such as cable, satellite and IPTV. In fact, we expect retail revenue for OTT video to do so well that it will surpass that of traditional pay TV by 2024. OTT video will generate 201 billion US dollars of retail revenue in 2025 compared to 182 billion US dollars for traditional pay TV. I see. So, I mean, it sounds like the pandemic has actually changed the landscape in a more permanent way rather than just creating a temporary shock. Um, just thinking about those numbers a little more, I wonder if you have any notion of how Netflix fits into this. Uh, will it primarily benefit from all of this or will it be facing more of a threat from other players? I found this quite astounding when I worked out actually. Um, Netflix accounted for 26% of all worldwide retail revenue from OTT video services in 2020. For a single player to have such a worldwide hold on the market is is quite phenomenal. No, no one in pay TV has that, that kind of level of control. We think SVOD continues to be the primary way that people consume OTT video services in the next five years. Linear will grow, but nowhere near as fast as that. And returning to the Connected Consumer Survey, we can see a big boost to how important consumers consider TV drama in 2020 versus in 2019. And that all helps Netflix to keep its crown. Just shifting the focus back to operators for a moment, um, what, what can they do about all of this? Well, not just operators, all pay TV providers' most effective response to this shift in viewership and spend will be to redouble their efforts to partner with and aggregate third-party OTT video services. And certainly, the role of operators and pay TV providers in directly distributing content via their own OTT services will also increase over the next five years. We think that the number of users of operator OTT services will almost double over the next five years, from 57 million in 2020 to 110 million in 2025. Aside from their own OTT services though, operators must consider their wider relationship with video content and with content partners, as their own OTT services will still only account for just 7% of the total OTT video revenue worldwide in 2025. Now, obviously, operators need to aim to capture or enable some of that wider growth in third-party OTT video, not just their own OTT services. 
super aggregator approaches have gained pace in the last year or so and tariffs that allow consumers to easily change the channels or ott partners that are included in their subscription better survive the disruption to sports broadcasts in 2020 than old school inflexible packages but the commercial case for owning one's own content assets and TV operations is also shifting, as indicated by recent announcements from BT that it intends to spin off BT Sport and from AT&T, which plans to merge Warner Media with Discovery's assets and create a standalone content business. Yeah, and actually, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've just finished writing a short article, which is available on our website, about the changes that are happening in live sports broadcasting. Um, one of the things that came out of that is that the this shift in sports rights ownership from traditional players and operators to third-party OTT players may actually create new opportunities to partner. So, for example, like, for instance, uh, Telecom Italia have done with Dazen after Dazen acquired the Serie A or Serie A rights. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. In March of 2021. Yes, exactly. And actually returning to another conversation that you and I had uh, last week, there's also an interesting discussion to be had here about the role of OTT versus traditional pay TV in emerging markets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, when when I was looking into what's happening in sub-Saharan Africa recently, um, I found that there are some interesting debates going on between regulators and the the large satellite players that still dominate the market about how much of a threat they actually face from OTT players. So, for example, in South Africa, the regulator is trying to pass some measures to curb the market power of multi-choice because there's, there's not a lot of fixed infrastructure through which OTT players can actually reach their audience. But the interesting thing, actually, is that we're seeing really rapid growth in people consuming OTT through mobile phones and when you look at how multi-choice and Netflix have both put out in the last year some very cheap offers targeting mobile consumers, I think it really speaks to the potential that both of them see in that side of things. Yeah, and uh, indeed, uh, Indonesia is another market like that. Lots of young people willing and able to engage with mobile video content. When Disney Plus launched there last year, they partnered with a mobile operator, Telkomsel, not a pay TV provider like they did in a lot of Western markets, uh, or, or, or I suppose telcos with large TV assets as well. And the impact appears to have been significantly positive. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Malaysia as well, where Disney Plus is partnering with Astro, the main satellite player. I think that difference in who Disney Plus partners with and the relative success it has in Indonesia versus Malaysia might be a bellwether for its OT for if OTTs favor partnership with telcos or pay TV providers in future. Yeah. And well, I mean, there's plenty more we can say about that, but um I'm afraid that's actually all we've got time for today. So Martin, I wanna thank you for coming and speaking with me today. Um, it's been really interesting and it sounds like actually there's there's plenty of important lessons for operators to draw from all of these shifts that we're seeing in the TV segment. Um, it's worth noting that for anyone interested, there is more content on the topics that we've covered in this session on the Analysis Mason website. And to automatically receive future episodes, please do subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks. Um, there's there's a whole lot more research on these topics in our video gaming and entertainment research program at analysismason.com.
to take a look. Thank you and bye-bye.